What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we have a really fascinating discussion lined up about Bitcoin. We have Michael Saylor on the line. Michael, welcome to HyperChange. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you are going to go down as either one of the most crazy geniuses of all time um, or just someone that was totally crazy with the recent move you've made by putting a huge uh, amount of your company's cash, instead of holding it as cash, moving it in essentially Bitcoin. Um, and this is following a move that I think Square did that, but you put a huge amount of your cash into it. Um, and I thought this was a fascinating move that is potentially you know, leading to a very ahead of the curve thing that many, many companies might start doing. And so I'm curious if you could give us a little bit of background on what the companies that you run and how you decided to put a bunch of your cash um, into Bitcoin. Sure. Well, I run an enterprise software company. I started it in 1989. I took it public in 1998. We sell business intelligence software to big banks, governments, retailers, organizations everywhere on earth, about 27 different subsidiaries. And, um, you know, we grow like, uh, you know, it's stable or we grow 5% a year. It's not like a 20, 40, 50% hyper growth company at this point. It's fairly mature, well run. We generate a lot of cash flow. And uh, when we came into the year 2020, we had like $600 million in cash. And we were, we were generating some cash and we were saving our money for a rainy day. And we had it, we tried to be conservative. We bought back hundreds of millions of dollars of our stock and we were investing the rest in short-term treasuries. You know, and I remember when short-term treasuries used to yield 5%, you know, and we would have been getting 30, 40 million a year. And it felt like, okay, responsible. And then the Fed just systematically cranked down the interest rates until it got to zero. And then we realized that, well, the cash generates nothing. And then the investors successfully told us they didn't value the cash as anything. Their view was it's, it's just a, a lump of lead on the balance sheet. And the company was, it's almost like a liability. Like your cash is a liability. You, you either need to buy the stock back or give it to us as a dividend to get any credit for it. So we got to March and we thought, well, we have a lot of treasury cash for a rainy day. And then the rainy day came and it was pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, we actually found that everybody wanted the software. The software business is better than ever because we're just selling software to big enterprises and, and the like. But our costs decreased because now we couldn't do marketing events and we couldn't travel. We couldn't stay in hotels and we couldn't go on airlines. And, and so the company went from having a lot of cash and, and, uh, and generating a bit of cash to having a lot of cash and generating a lot of cash. And simultaneously, we saw all these financial assets have a V-shaped recovery. And then we saw Main Street have a K-shaped recovery. You know, the famous K-shaped recovery where, where, you know, restaurants and airlines and hotels and amusement parks and theaters don't seem to be coming back. And yet all of these stocks and bonds are shooting through the roof. So... On one hand, I realized I have a lot of cash. On the other hand, I realized I was going to generate a lot of cash. And then I realized it was worthless. And, and I realized it was worthless because the monetary expansion rate went from about 5% a year to 15% a year. And we actually expanded the money supply by 24% a year in the U.S. this year. So everybody knows about money printing and, and all the stimulus. Well, I, I went from not caring 
to thinking, well, we'll save the cash, get a yield on it and figure out what to do with it to, to realizing that we're going to lose about 15% of our purchasing power every year for the next four to five years. And so a, a block of 500 million in cash looks like a melting ice cube. And it felt, it felt like highly certain that we were going to lose half of that money in 36 to 48 months if we did nothing. And so we arrived at the Bitcoin investment when we realized that cash is a liability, not an asset. We're gonna ha we have to invest in something that will beat the cost of capital. The cost of capital is the rate of M2 monetary expansion. It's, it's the rate at which the currency is losing purchasing power. And so if the currency is losing purchasing power at 15% a year, uh, then we're all going to lose half of our wealth in 36 to 48 months. And this is a key that part of the thesis. Yeah. Th and then I wanted to just dive a little deeper here. So yeah. why aren't we seeing inflation of prices go up that much? Maybe we are in equity assets, but I'm curious of like, you know, a lot of people would be like, okay, well, why is there no inflation? But you're saying pricing power goes down 15%. Can you help us break okay. that down a little? Yeah, because inflation is a mis it's a defective idea. Um, there is inflation. There's inflation in everything that you want to buy. It's just not tracked by the Fed. For example, Hampton's real estate is up 50% in 16 weeks. How is it not inflation when the beach house you wanted in the Hamptons is 40% or 50% more expensive in three months? And there's inflation in assets. There's inflation in bonds. There's inflation in stocks. There's inflation in real estate. There's inflation in gold. There's inflation in scarce art. There's inflation in everything scarce. There's inflation in, by the way, the inflation measure that the central bank tracks is a market basket of consumer goods and services that do not include the highly volatile food and energy. By the way, they don't include food, energy, and assets. So you tell me, in what universe do you live in that you can live without food, energy, or assets? If you, if you want to watch streaming Netflix or YouTube videos for the rest of your life, then there's no inflation. So, so what's going on right now is that, that the popular media, mainstream media and the, and the central banks, they're making a lot of noise about no inflation and they're lamenting the lack of inflation. And that's the excuse to lower the interest rates and print money. But, but the point is why in the world would you actually be concerned about the rate of inflation of a market basket of things you don't need, right? The inflation rate that you should be concerned about is the inflation rate of food, energy, and assets. And, and uh, if you were to take, uh, say, the inflation rate of bonds, you know, uh, the 10-year bond was yielding 250 basis points about a year and a half ago, and then it was yielding 50 basis points, which meant it went, it went up from $2 million to $10 million in 12 months. So how is that not inflation? It's, an, it's hyperinflation of assets. Yeah, it's, and it's just that people have defined a metric which is meaningless, and so it's it's... Inflation is a vector, Galileo. It's not a scalar. It's not one number. I can calculate the inflation rate of assets, food, energy, real estate in the Hamptons, beachfront property in the Florida Gulf Coast, or I can calculate the inflation rate of 
of streaming YouTube videos. And streaming YouTube videos are going to have a very low inflation rate. And houses and beachfront property and Picassos are going to have a high inflation rate. And you can have any number you want between minus 10% and plus 30%, depending upon what you want to put in that basket. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate because I think that's a big thing that the mainstream is missing. And what I call this is the, the great awakening. That's sort of my millennial word for it. Of Everyone's like, wait, why are we holding our assets in cash that is slowly getting diluted, melting like an ice cube, as you put it? And they're like, wait, equity and technologies like Tesla, interest rates are low, earnings are pushed out for two years. That's you know a 0.5% yield on my Tesla equity of free cash flow that's growing at 200% a year is better than the 0.5 on the 10-year. So people are saying it's irrational, but I'm like, to me, this is an awakening of people being like, why am I holding fiat currency? The government just pressed a button and gave 1200 to everybody. It's kind of becoming clearer and clearer um, like that, that that expansion of 15 or 20% is real. And I think the 1200 was sort of like a big domino for that. So I totally agree. I, I think that the big challenge every investor, every person on earth has right now, all 7.8 billion people and all $300 trillion worth of investments, their big problem is, where's my store of value? And, and um, in a world where if I double the amount of currency, but I keep the assets and the goods and services constant, then that means everything has to go up by a factor of two, right? So in a world where you're expanding the money supply, it's like, it's like uh, expanding the, the uh, dropping the air pressure as you go up in altitude, the air pressure's dropping, oxygen's falling out of solution, the heat is falling out of the air, you're going to freeze to death or suffocate. It's called adiabatic lapse in aeronautics, but it's like climbing a mountain or going up in an airplane. We're sucking the oxygen out of the room and the oxygen in the, in, in the monetary system is monetary energy. So everybody needs to find a store of value and a lot of people are using Tesla as that store of value because they have more faith in Tesla stock and Tesla than they have faith in the federal government and this, you know, the Federal Reserve and the central banks because their view is, you know, there's, there's something I can, I can count there. A lot of people are using Apple and Amazon as stores of value. Other people stampeded into gold. That's why gold traded up after March. Yeah. And, and they say people are crazy, but I'm like, I've never held cash. I've always been fully invested in technology equities because I'm like, we're in the era of hyperchange. You know, Tesla's electric propulsion technology is, has a tremendous value that's increasing every year as they make it better. Uh, but, but I also wanted to step back with, with MicroStrategy. So you told us the story. You're, you're at this point of like, okay, our cash is melting. We're generating a ton of cash flow from the business. How do you go from like, okay, Bitcoin's something to consider to like actually putting the money in? I'm at like your auditors, your board of directors, they must have been a pain in the ass about this. I'm so curious about like how you actually kind of executed yeah, this. So, well, so we've got the 500 million in cash and then we realize we're going to lose all the money if we do nothing. Like it's going to be worthless. It's going to, if, if I take away 50, if I burn 15% of it a year, how many years are you going to wait until you burned it all before you conclude that that's a problem, right? So, and that's very clear. So we've got a problem starting in March that's very obvious. Small problem and it became a big problem. And so the first thing to do is figure out what to do with it. So we went through real estate and stocks and bonds, but our conclusion is the only, the only uh, bonds are gonna hold value have to yield more than 15% coupon. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to keep lowering interest rates. So if interest rates aren't going to go negative, 
then the coupon's not going to cover the inflation loss, and therefore a bond won't hold value. With real estate, it's the same issue. How are you going to grow your rents faster than 15%? Not easy. So then you go to stocks. So which stocks? Well, you better find, you know, you better buy a super high growth, like a Tesla, Amazon. It has to be some on fire, big tech, massive screaming growth company, because otherwise you can't stay ahead of the 15% hurdle rate. So that's why Tesla kind of works. That's why all of the, you know, the other bond and the other stocks, they sort of start to drift up. But over the next five years, unless you believe the company can grow its cash flows greater than 15% a year, it's going to fall behind and it won't hold value. So then you go to scarce assets that aren't correlated to cash flows of US dollar currency. So that gets you to gold or silver. Well, the problem with gold is that gold miners produce 2% more gold every year. So there's a built-in 2% inflation rate in gold. And then it's centralized, it's corruptible, and you can print more gold derivatives and that drives the price down. And ultimately, the big problem with gold is if the price of gold goes up by a factor of 10, the gold miners and the, and the derivatives producers are going to create more gold and that's going to keep a cap on the price. So how do I find something which is ultimately scarce that feels like gold that you can't create any more of? And that's where you find a crypto. And if you, if you basically designed a crypto network that was 21 million gold coins and you couldn't produce any more, and then you could audit it every 10 minutes. And then if you convinced $350 billion worth of money to buy into that network, you would have Bitcoin. So Bitcoin in essence becomes the first uh, digital monetary network. It's the Facebook of money because it's on one hand, it's a, it's a synthetic safe haven asset. It's, an in, it's like pharmaceutical grade gold. It's like, it's like all the gold, none of the hangover, all the good parts of gold, but none of the bad problems with gold. And it's sitting on a big tech network like Facebook or Google and you can plug into it. Like no one's ever gonna plug gold into an iPhone. You're not gonna like punch a button and buy 10 bars of gold on the iPhone. But PayPal and Square have plugged Bitcoin into the iPhone. So Bitcoin is programmable, uh, programmable synthetic gold. And if you're trying to find something that is scarce, that's going to float on the pool of liquidity, as the Federal Reserve and the EU Central Bank print more money, then Bitcoin is that something because you can't make any more of it. You can program it. And then, by the way, the answer is a crypto asset network. The issue is why not one of the other 10,000? Will it be copied? Will it be banned? Or will it be uh, hacked? And Bitcoin is at the point where it hasn't been hacked in 12 years. It's been copied 10,000 times, but it's the winner. So you pick, you know, it's like not Friendster, it's not MySpace, it's not Yahoo or AOL, it's the Facebook or the Google. You got to pick the winner. Once something is hundreds of billions of dollars and 20 times bigger than the next like kind thing, then it's the winner. And it's clear it's not going to be banned. It's built into PayPal and Square. There's a senator, there's a Congress, a congressional caucus. It's been adopted and regularized. And, 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 and it's been adopted by the SEC and the IRS as property. So you got, what you've got is you've got crypto asset gold network for the 21st century as a store of value. That's why we adopted it. 
And it seems like a no brainer when you explain it like that. So eloquent. That was awesome. And a couple things you said that were fascinating is like, I, some people call it like the most successful economic experiment in history, which is something I love because it's like, oh, is it working? Is it not? Bitcoin's a scam. It's like scam or not. They're moving billions of dollars a day on this network and it's growing. Like this is, they're moving more money than PayPal. Like this is, you know, a huge force in the, in the network and Square and Cash App to me is one of the most fascinating things, reasons why I'm bullish because you have 33 million accounts on Cash App bring 80% a year. Jack Dorsey loves Bitcoin, is giving every single one of them a tool to buy Bitcoin, incentive to buy it with one click. He's trying to get out of Visa and MasterCard taking 2.9% on every transaction, going to build a layer two solution. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's so much excitement with the Jack Dorsey uh, Cash App thing. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. I do. Well, first of all, if, if, if I put a bank account on a mobile phone like cash, then I've got free checking, magic bank account. If I plug it into Bitcoin, I have a savings account in cyberspace run by incorruptible software that yields 100% interest tax-free. Who doesn't want that? Like for the last decade, Bitcoin has been appreciating 100% versus the dollar. And if you just put the money into the Bitcoin savings account, then and you don't sell it you're basically getting it to appreciate tax-free so how many banks will give you a hundred percent tax-free savings accounts not many right so pretty compelling idea right and the other compelling the other observation is they sold like 1.6 billion dollars worth of bitcoin in the third quarter and that's up a hundred percent over the second quarter and that's up a thousand one hundred percent so when something's growing a thousand percent year over year and it's doubling every quarter, that's the world's way of giving you a wake up call, telling you this is high growth. And by the way, why wouldn't you? I'm giving you a hundred percent tax-free savings account. Your choice is keep it in cash, get zero percent interest, and the value, the, the wealth is going to be cut in half in 36 months. So it's not a hard decision once you understand what's going on. It's utterly compelling. Yeah. And I think there's a fascinating switch here where, you know, you have a fiduciary duty to your shareholders. At some point, it's like you're kind of crazy for doing this Bitcoin thing, but the pendulum's going to start to switch where you're crazy for not doing Bitcoin. And then you have what I love, this Bitcoin FOMO apocalypse theory of there's 21 million. The second it's one more, to me, it's like Square's doing it, MicroStrategy's doing it. Like we get a couple more, then the dominoes start to fall. What about central banks buying this as an asset? That's probably already happening. Like, you know, big tech companies adding this to the balance sheet, once it becomes the norm and institutionalized, I realize this crazy FOMO run in Bitcoin, 350 billion, it's, if it's gold 2.0 and that's 7 trillion, we have like an immediate 20 to 30X to just get to gold size. And it feels like to me, this corporate treasury switch could be a massive catalyst for sort of the Bitcoin FOMO apocalypse. Um, maybe I'm getting too carried away and too bullish there, but I'm kind of curious how you think this, the next dominoes fall with micro strategy. You know, are there other companies? I think there's... There's two ideas that are new ideas that most people, 99% of the world doesn't understand that I'm going to share with you. First idea, Bitcoin is rotating this year from the old, the old insight narrative, which is it's an uncorrelated speculative asset traded by retail traders on offshore exchanges with leverage that's kind of cool. It's rotating to a, a, a new insight, which is it's the world's best long duration investment grade safe haven treasury asset. It's, it's something you're going you're gonna to use to give money to your grandchildren. If you want to have money 30 years from now, 60 years from now, and you want to put your money in property that the state can't seize, no government 
you know, the government can't get at, it's not going to be taxed away like real estate. It's going to be there for 30 years, 40 years. Then this is the ultimate long duration safe haven asset. That's a new idea because people that put money into that idea are just going to let it sit there for a decade. They're not traders. They're not speculators. By the way, you see companies like my company, we have like nearly 800 million in it right now. And you'll see, uh, you'll see insurance companies like Mass Mutual putting 100 million in. That's 100 million out of a $230 billion general fund. What happens when they put 1% in or 2% in? So that rotation from speculative asset to safe haven asset is a big idea because you go from 1% of the people betting 1% of their money to 100% of the people betting 50% of their money. Okay, big idea. Like there's $300 trillion worth of monetary energy sitting between bond stocks and real estate. Half of it just wants a store of value. So there's no reason why $150 trillion wouldn't flow into the Bitcoin network. And so we're not, we're not talking about demonetizing gold. We're talking about the people that stampeded to gold or, or, or S&P indexes or stock indexes or bond indexes. If you don't love, if, if you own Tesla, you love it. But there's a lot of people that buy stocks they don't love. They just put it in there because they don't want to lose their money. And so they will use Bitcoin as a savings account. It's like the savings and loan at the end of the universe, right? It's just a savings account. Yeah. That's the and and I, was, I, I love this idea of the deflationary kind of principle of like, you shouldn't have to work to, to, to find assets to put in that are going to appreciate. Like it's such a kind of a messed up system where everybody's like, you're a doctor, but you also have to have a full-time job of managing your assets. Otherwise, you're just going to lose all that wealth and value you created. It'll be an incredible, amazing society if you can just put it in Bitcoin and it will appreciate because we have a naturally deflationary pressure on the entire pricing system, the economy. So I actually love, like it's an amazing, like, financial freedom and sort of incredible unlock of value for, for individuals in theory. It's a savings and loan in cyberspace that's available to 7.8 billion people where no politician can steal your money, right? That's a simple idea. Everybody on earth needs it. Simple. There's another idea though, which is this is the first truly engineered monetary network in the history of the world. And by that, I mean, it's a closed thermodynamically sound monetary system. If you put $100 million in the system, it's like charging a battery. It has no power loss. You can store it for 100 years. It'll still be there. Um, every other monetary system has a power loss in it. It bleeds energy. If you put your money into, you, you know, if you put your money into, a, into electricity and store it in a battery, you'd lose 2% a month. You have 24% inflation rate a year. If you put your money, you know, that's the problem. You can't move electricity around without losing 6% of it over the course of a few hundred miles. So what if I wanted to store all my monetary energy and I didn't want to lose it every month or every year or every decade? Well, I design a closed system, 21 million gold coins. No, none come in, none go out. All I can do is heat it up or cool it down. That's the definition of a thermodynamic closed system. Bitcoin is the first example of that system. What that means is that you can collect all of the monetary energy in the world, store it in this battery, hold it for 100 years, channel it through time and space with no energy loss. It's an engineering breakthrough. It's like an aqueduct. It's like electrical power system or grid. So if I said to you, 
I thought I'd build a city, but I thought I'd plug it into an aqueduct. You wouldn't say I'm crazy. You would say that's a good idea so that all your people don't like die due to lack of water and sanitation, right? It's like building a city on a river. Is that, is that a crazy idea or a good idea to have a river flowing through the city? If, what if I decided I was going to have a city with roads in it? Good idea, bad idea. How about my house is going to be wired for electricity? Good idea, bad idea. Or I have a company. We're going to be on the internet. Okay, it's not risky to be on the internet with electricity and have running water. These are not risky things, but they were pretty crazy ideas before we had the internet, electricity, and running water. Okay, so Bitcoin is a monetary network. When Jack Dorsey plugged Square into it, he's, he plugged Square into the monetary network. PayPal is plugged into the monetary network. MicroStrategy plugged itself into the monetary network. Why? Because all the other networks are, if you're in cash, you're losing 15% of your energy a year. If you're in gold, you're losing three or 4% of your energy a year. If you're using a, a stock portfolio, you got to guess Google versus Facebook versus Amazon versus Tesla and juggle the thing and worry about what happens every quarter. It's too complicated. What if I just wanted to plug into a monetary network that will store and protect my energy from depletion for the next decade? No one's ever figured it out. Bitcoin is Facebook for money. If Facebook's worth a trillion dollars because it stores the social energy of a billion people or two billion, Bitcoin has got to be worth 100x that much because it's storing the money of a billion people. When Rupert Murdoch shows up to Facebook, he doesn't bring a billion friends. When Rupert Murdoch shows up to Bitcoin, he's gonna drop a billion dollars on the network like immediately because what do you do with a monetary network other than put all your money on it? It's a pretty big idea. It's not a speculative uncorrelated asset. It's the first monetary network in the history of the world that we figured out how to make work. Yeah. And uh, I love the, the thing of like vampire drain, like you were saying with the battery, like you leave your Tesla parked outside, it loses 2% each, uh, each night or whatever. Tesla's 20 billion cash balance. This is kind of like, to me, the crux of it. My biggest investment position, world's leading technology company, extremely forward thinking, awesome CFO, Zach Kirkhorn. I'm, if I'm in the Tesla boardroom right now or meeting with them, I'm like, yo, so we got 20 billion on the balance sheet. We just did a $5 billion raise. We're not spending this for at least two years. How are we not going to start considering plugging in to that aqueduct exactly like you're saying? So what would, I'm, I'm curious, like I'm totally sold on this. I think at least one to 5% of your company, company treasury is like a smaller, easier step, kind of like something like Square did. But I'm curious of like, if you were with me in that room and we're pitching Tesla and Kirkhorn and Elon about this, like what's, what's kind of the sell here? It, uh, you know, I'm just curious. My sell would be that you're eventually going to need, you've got $20 billion worth of monetary energy today it's losing 15% of its purchasing power a year. You're gonna lose half of that energy in 36 months unless you protect it. If you put it into Bitcoin, instead of losing half your purchasing power, you can reasonably expect to double your purchasing power every year for the next three years. So why not put a billion in and it'll be worth 8 billion in three years instead of not put a billion. If you keep 
all the money, you're guaranteed to lose $10 billion in purchasing power. It's a guarantee. For, for early companies, I keep thinking like if you're, it's, it's like a FOMO thing. Like if Amazon says they're going to buy Bitcoin on their treasury, Bitcoin doubles. So if I were the, I actually put out a thing like five years ago called Apple and iCoin. It was when Bitcoin was like a 10 billion market cap. And I was like, if I was Apple, I'd start secretly buying up all Bitcoin and then announced that I was opening a Bitcoin bank, put crypto wallets on every single iPhone. The price of Bitcoin immediately soars. You have like 5 bi uh, million Bitcoin in your treasury that you accumulated. You can act as the de facto Fed of Bitcoin. Now we're way, that ship has totally sailed, but I still think the ship has not sailed where Amazon, Apple, or Tesla announced they're doing this. The price of Bitcoins triples instantly. So you already almost have a guaranteed, as, as kind of messed up as that is, locked in return once one oh, of these- yeah. It's brilliant. And it's, it's not messed up. It's very straightforward and obvious. If Tesla puts a billion dollars into Bitcoin, they'll double their money in, within 12 months. If they put $2 billion in, they would probably generate a $10 billion gain, right? It, it, by the way, anybody could do it. Like if you had, if you're a, a billionaire hedge fund guy, you put a billion into Bitcoin, just put it out on the wire and say you did it. <laughs> because, because Bitcoin is... It's a, it's a dominant network that's unstoppable. Everybody needs it. Nobody can stop it, but very few people understand it. 99% of the investors don't understand it, but once they understand it, they've all got to stampede into it and, as, and they're going to squeeze through it and they're going to bid the price up. And so it creates this very virtuous cycle. You buy it, the price goes up. It gets more valuable. More people, more people want it. There's more adoption. The price goes up. Now more companies, you know, maybe a company can't buy 5 billion worth of it. They can only buy 1 billion worth of it. When it goes up again, a big insurance company buys 2 billion instead of 100 million. And then it goes up again because Bitcoin only exists to do one thing, which is to provide monetary liquidity. So therefore, the higher the price goes, the better it gets. Right? which is the opposite of most companies where the higher the price goes and the higher the stock goes, the riskier it gets. The higher Bitcoin's price goes, the less risky it gets. Yeah, and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because to me, any currency's value is essentially its utility. So the utility Bitcoin goes up, the more people that accept it, the more brand value it has, the more big company treasuries that are buying it. Like there is almost a true material increase in the value intrinsically, at least by my definition, because the utility is there has increased. You know, Bitcoin is a union in cyberspace. It's a monetary union. It's a more perfect monetary union. The sooner you join, the better you are off. And as people join, it gets more powerful and, you know, and the price goes up. So if you're, if you're Tesla, you want to be first because Apple will pay twice as much. And then Google will pay twice that much. And Love Facebook yep. will pay twice that much. And eventually everybody's got to join. Because, because uh, if you don't join, you're going to lose 15% to 20% of your purchasing power. <laughs> so ultimately, everybody's in this stampede to preserve their wealth or their purchasing power. And, and in this particular case, Bitcoin is the dominant answer. And as people start to realize that, it's just going to accelerate the transition and the adoption rate. So I love this, this kind of like bull case we're doing here. And I, I want to tie it back to one concept, which is the fiduciary duty. 
Because to me, this is the key sort of like, if I was a, a sharp lawyer in this space, to start writing up these legal arguments of basically transcribing your kind of philosophy of how what store of value is in the future of when does the, the thought process of it's against your fiduciary duty to hold cash or like, because to me, that's where, you know, shareholders and everything gets involved. It's like not even up to Tim Cook or Bezos anymore. It's like they have to do it almost. So is that kind of thing you see happening? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think if you roll the clock back a year ago, when the M2 monetary supply was expanding at 5%, everybody could kind of look the other way and say, well, losing 5% and I'm going to invest in 2% bonds and lose five and it's net negative 3%. And over 30 years, I'm going to lose all the cash, but I'm not going to hold it for 30 years. So they could kind of look the other way when it was a 5% M2 money expansion. But when the cost of capital went to 15%, when it tripled, now you can't look the other way because you're gonna lose half the shareholders purchasing power. Your, your co cost of capital means if you're not getting more than that 15% yield every year, you're burning shareholder wealth. You, so what do you do? You either have to buy the stock back or you have to invest in something which is, which is, got, which is beating that hurdle rate. Now, the problem with buying the stock back is you decapitalize the company and pretty soon there's no treasury left. It's like giving away all your money to charitable causes. You'll feel good about it, but if you actually lose your job, you'll starve and your family will starve. So a company can't decapitalize the entire treasury. And what's happened is the, the rampant money printing has made it more and more difficult to find liquid treasury assets that can be expected to yield faster than 15%. You know, you look them up, right? I mean, there's like nothing, right? You better guess right on your, on your equity, but, but big tech is a crowded trade. Gold is stalled out. Real estate is stalled out. Bitcoin is the best performing asset the past month, the past quarter, the past year, the past two years, the past five years, the past 10 years <laughs> against everything. And why? Because you can't make any more of it. It's a very simple idea. What if I had something and you couldn't make any more of it and everybody wanted it? Well, then if you double the amount of money, the price is going to double at least. By the way, there are three drivers of Bitcoin. It's going to go up in value as the, as the Fed and the EU central bank prints money. If they print 10% more money, you're going to get 10% more value because the supply is capped. It's gonna go up in value as people stampede to adopt it. The consumers are stampeding to adopt it. And also as corporations stampede and as institutional investors, you got insurance companies, you got hedge funds, you got corporations, you got individuals on PayPal and Square. That's gonna drive adoption. And the third, the third reason is gonna go up in value is because technology is gonna keep upgraded and pretty soon it'll get built into Apple Pay and Google Pay and Alipay and Amazon and, Square and everybody is, you know, no one's going to program a new feature for gold ever, you know? It's not going to happen. What, what's the secret to Tesla again? The secret to Tesla is Elon Musk said, let's just take a clean sheet of paper and rethink the car and let's see if we can re-engineer it better with software and do something different. He broke the mold. What if I said, I'm going to just re-engineer the idea of money clean sheet of paper and I'm going to program it to be better. I can move a hundred million dollars of Bitcoin from New York to California, you know, New York to London in a few minutes for $3. It would cost you a million dollars to do that with gold. It's a million times better. 
And it's going to keep getting better every month because people are going to keep programming it into their stuff. And why will they? Because if Apple programs Bitcoin into the iPhone, the iPhone's going to have a savings account that pays you 100% tax-free interest. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, and that, it seems like that's one of the big shoes I've been waiting to drop is like the Amazon payment, the Apple uh, embedded crypto wallet to me is, is the evolution of Apple's device and their whole brand move on privacy positions them perfectly to be the security asset for your crypto. Um, and I, if I was them and they want to get into software services, banking, like this is the obvious move for companies like Apple, it turns into, it could be a problem for your monetary management in some ways, but also a massive opportunity as an early adopter, like Square um, is, is doing with Cash App right now to become a leader of this ecosystem and say, let's just build on top of Bitcoin and run with it. Um, and at some point to me, Square doing it means the game's already over. Like, that's kind of why I think it's funny. It's like Apple's going to do it inevitably because Square was the first one and they're going to have huge benefits. They're going to create a, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of business from Cash App just built on top of that because they were the first mover. You know, Galileo, you totally get it. You, you know, I, I posted this on Twitter. You know, I pointed out Square's moved. Pay, because Square moved, PayPal's got to adopt it. Otherwise, everybody shifts their accounts to Square. I mean, who wants a savings account that yields nothing when they could get hundred percent. So, so Square pushed PayPal. Square and PayPal are going to force Apple to move. And uh, if Apple, if Apple were to build uh, a crypto wallet into the secure element of the iPhone, and really support it with integration to Apple Pay in a nice native fashion, uh, and if they were to then to adopt Bitcoin on their balance sheet and start to buy some Bitcoin they would generate a hundred billion dollars in shareholder value in 12 months. I mean, you want to make a hundred billion dollars. It's a very simple thing. Build it into a billion phones and then buy a few billion worth of it. What do you think happens to Bitcoin? If Apple buys $10 billion of Bitcoin, what do you think happens to the Bitcoin price? You know, it, it, you know so the point is they, <laughs> I mean, there's so many ways to make money, right? Because if Apple did it, everybody else would have to do it too, right? And a billion people will be using the iPhone. If I use my iPhone as my hardware wallet, you know, if it's, if it's the go-to hardware wallet for moving Bitcoin around, then you're going to pry it from my cold dead fingers. I mean, that's, I mean, Square's done a great job. They basically plug Bitcoin into Square and, and PayPal's plug Bitcoin into PayPal. Once you've made that commitment, they're going to pry it from your fingers, you know, white knuckled. No one's going to let go because who wants to give up their money? You know, it's one thing, you know, think about how loyal we are to Apple because we got our photos on it, you know, or our messages on it or our movies on it. What are you more loyal to? All the money you own or your photos? Like what, what's real, you know, we've really just gone through the first mobile wave, the wave of mobile communications. The next mobile wave is money all of it, Tri hundreds of trillions of dollars of it. Imagine what happens if all that money leaps off of stocks, bonds, real estate, gold, silver, and derivatives, and it flows into people's mobile devices where they can control it. And imagine if you didn't have to worry about juggling it and guessing whose stock is going up and whose stock is going down, right? I mean, the beauty of Bitcoin is it's simple. It's like you put your money in the bank and no one steals it. That's it. Okay, well, how good is that idea? Well, 
the central bank is going to steal 15% of it if you hold it in dollars. And if you have, and by the way, that's the best case because if you have money in Venezuelan currency, Lebanese currency, Nigerian currency, Argentinian currency, you're losing more, right? You're going to lose 90% of all your money if you have another currency. You're just going to lose half your money in the next 36 months if you have it in the US or Europe. So here's my big idea for you. What if someone was not going to steal your money? And what if we built that into big tech? So it's right here. That's what, that's the excitement. Why did, you know, what did MicroStrategy do? Well, first we bought some, and then we offered to buy out all of our shareholders that didn't like the idea. So then we bought out some of them and we took the excess in a tender offer. And then we, then we bought some more and then it went up and then we made like $300 million on it. So then it almost doubled and then we bought some more. And then we, now we have like 800 million or 850 million, something like that worth of it. And then we went to the marketplace and we raised a convertible uh, debt offering last week. We raised $650 million to buy some more, you know? And why do we buy it? Because we wanted to, we wanted to borrow in a currency which is debasing in value and invest in something which is appreciating in value. Because isn't that what you're supposed to do in business? Yes, dude, you are a savage. I love it. I'm so like, I'm just so impressed and like, just extremely giving you, I just want to give you props for having the bold idea to do this and just go at it with such conviction because my gut feeling says you are way ahead of the curve. This becomes the norm in five to 10 years. And uh, yeah, I just think this is fascinating. And I really appreciate you coming on the show, taking the time to break this down because I feel like I learned a lot. I got way more excited about it. And I just think this is so like the discussion we're having is so fascinating. Not enough people are talking about this. If you're not paying attention to Bitcoin, you don't get finance because this is the biggest thing to happen in hundreds of years. It is, we're so early on it. The fact that you could buy Bitcoin with your, in your treasury and the ROI on that is going to be so much better than your software business. It's going to, it could even dwarf your entire company because you're so early and that's how good the ROI is on just switching to a new treasury asset and almost boggles the mind at just how much is left on the table if, if this thesis actually plays out the way we're thinking because 350 billion, you just said 300 trillion, we need 2% of that to go in before everything breaks, you know, or like Bitcoin goes to the moon. So I, I don't know, do you have any final thoughts to leave us on or? Uh, yeah, I mean, the reason I'm passionate here is because I think everybody on earth is going to lose half their wealth in the next three to five years if they sit in fiat instruments because the banks are draining the monetary energy out of the currency at such a rapid rate. So I think that Bitcoin is the answer to everybody, all 7.8 billion people's problems. It's the answer to every investor's challenge. And, and although I think it's people are going to invest in passionate stocks they love like Tesla and real estate they love. If you don't love it and you're just trying to conserve your store of value then Bitcoin is a much better idea than every other idea. So if anybody wants to know more, I own the, I own the domain hope.com and I repathed it. Bitcoin is hope. So if you go to hope, you'll find lots of information about Bitcoin. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter. And I wish everybody the best of luck, you know, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll put all the link, those links below. Have a great day. Really appreciate it. And my pleasure.